Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. My guest today on the Sustainable Finance Podcast is a business strategist, expert communicator, and entrepreneur. Laura Taylor believes that the story you tell today will decide the future. Taylor is president and CEO at Silverline Communications and leads a national agency team that delivers strategic marketing and communications programs to a diverse portfolio of clients in climate, clean tech, and ESG. Silverline is a WBENC certified woman-owned business and meets enterprise standards on supply diversity. Hello, Laura, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it, Paul. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. And we're going to start by learning a little bit more about your background uh, and and the creation of Silverline. Silverline has been in business for 14 years and is the oldest female-owned climate tech PR agency in the U.S. and one of the few specialized U.S.-based firms. Tell our listeners what enterprise standards on supply diversity are, and if you would, tell us what the call letters for WBENC stand for uh, and how you saw this opportunity coming your way 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Wow. Where do we start, right? So uh, <laughs> WBENC, it's a, it's a business enterprise. It's a woman-owned business enterprise. Uh, it's a certification that is given to women-owned businesses uh, specifically because for so long we were um, considered an underserved community within the within the broader business community, and so uh, I think the I think it really derived out of women doing business with government, as many things do. They derive out of public sector and make their way into the private sector, and I, I believe that was really the genesis of of their program. And then the private sector understands, uh, especially on the procurement side, understands the you know uh, need for a program around underserved communities and engagement with diverse supply chain. I think we've seen that kind of mindset definitely grow, particularly with the rise of ESG conversation. And and that makes its way into procurement. It's not like it never was part of a procurement conversation. However, today it's part of a larger conversation within the the procurement, within corporate America. Um, and, And we're proud to be within that conversation, uh, for sure. And glad to be recognized as our, um, uh, you know, our other fellow, uh, diverse enterprises as well. We are the, the longest standing woman-owned, uh, agency in climate tech. So that is distinctive on its own. So we, not only do we provide backbone service from a woman-owned business, but we also have domain expertise that carries a lot of weight too. So I like to think it's a, it's a powerful punch, but happy to see that DEI um, certainly is now a table stake for corporations in terms of when they are looking, and you know this better than anybody, especially all of your your um, commentators that have been on, it's like, wow, this is a, a fresh 
new day, I think, um, for corporations and for the public, for shareholders, for clients, certainly on uh, how all of us are, you know, moving forward in uh, with increased transparency around DEI and really making the investment in DEI too. And we're, we're proud to be proud to be part of that, you know, and it's internal and external. We, we work primarily with corporations telling their their stories externally around DEI and around their ESG commitments. And that's really the the thrust of what we've been doing. It's a little easier for us because we are part and parcel of the community at which they they look at when they go to procure as well. So yeah, I think it's a it's a validation, you know. That's fantastic, Laura. Congratulations on the, the, the 14 years that you've brought to this part of the industry. And I, for one, uh, as we've previously discussed, am completely convinced that women will lead the sustainability movement around the world in every industry eventually. Uh, they're already leading it in, in many, especially in developing economies, but uh, it, that will continue to expand. So I'm very happy to, that you're part of uh, our team now. And uh, one of the really important questions that I brought to the table today for you is how has climate tech changed during Silver Line's 14-year tenure so far? Man, you know, when I first started in this industry, I was one of the few people within my agency, and I had started out in a Silicon Valley agency, and I was one of the few people in the agency that could call a governor's office, or I think at one point I worked on behalf of a sheik. You know, it's like crazy adventures, right? And I realized how important public affairs was and, you know, to this conversation here around climate tech, even way back in the late 2000s, I mean, everybody wanted a listening post in Washington, and they still do. It's a very important place. I realized that early on, that those skills and being able to listen on the government level, the federal level, even state and local many times, but also understand private industry and understand the mindset of a brand and brand stewards, it, that's that's a powerful combination. And then, you know, how, how to bring that all together under a 1.0, what I think was Climate Tech 1.0 back then, right, where we were all focused on uh, maybe the West Coast primarily, you know, California leading the way. And I was sitting, oh, God, oh my gosh, when are things going to happen? What is, you know, I live in Washington, D.C. When are things going to happen on the East Coast? <laughs> and seeing that shift, and I know you and I have talked about that too. It's like, oh my gosh. All right. And then New Jersey and Massachusetts started to do, uh, create innovative legislation and started to to really carry the torch here for, for this coast. And we see it in North Carolina and others. So, but really the shift has been from 1.0 to 2.0. And then how did we, what is that shift? Well, the shift is West Coast to East Coast, I think. Mm -hmm. And now we've mm -hmm. got a national um, national industry. Also on the uh, tech side, what we've seen is kind of like, we were so focused on way back in the day on solar investment to start with, just, just straight up solar and a little bit of wind, but to dream of offshore, uh, you know, that it was, it's amazing to see where this been. So we really stuck almost in this solar cycle a little bit, you know, where we're only thinking about, and now to watch how wide and how, how deep and wide the industry has become under 2.0. And now we're thinking about things like 
hydrogen and fertilizer and methane and ammonia and zinc and lithium. It, it, back in the day, not so much. So that's another change. And then internationally, we're seeing, you know, we always talked about German or Japanese solar, you know, very specifically. And now we're talking about Chinese. And so there's been shifts internationally as well, the, the players involved and who owns what part of the industry. And now we see all those uh, European wind, you know, offshore wind developers, et cetera. So there's been an enormous amount of change and I'm happy, happy for it. It's, it's made me, and I think almost everybody on my team, like challenge us every day to expand our brain, you know? Yes, it's very true. And I was, I've been a, a part of that transformation from West Coast to East Coast within financial services, as we've previously discussed as well. And I, you know, I'm just tickled to death at, at, at how this, this whole sector has been explosively growing and will continue to do so going into the future. So the climate tech space is as we're talking about now, in high growth mode across industries and technologies today. So what industries and technologies is Silverline focused on and what's emerging that looks very interesting to you going forward? Mm, I'll tell you a story. Please. So in 10th grade, I had a chemistry teacher named Sister Mary Edward, mm -hmm. and she had no faith in me. Um, but <laughs> none. Not so unusual. <laughs> No, I think she gave me like, uh, yeah, I think she gave me like some kind of really bad grade, but just to move me forward before I graduated. And, uh -huh. um, yeah, it was like, oh gosh, when am I, sister, when am I ever going to use this chemistry, this, I don't know. And I would say that that it's, it's a huge part of, uh, daily life now. And I always think, oh, sister's looking down on me. You know, it's surprising. I think to new hires, it's surprising how technical the content is that we deal with. We're not just talking about uh, just technology that makes people feel good. You know, you don't come in here. It's not like we're selling shoes or makeup or something like that. You know, it's a B2B. It's technical. People have to come in and they have to make sure that they come to terms with the periodic table and, you know, how tech actually works, the economies of scale, all of that, you know, back in the day we read, it was Jeffrey Moore, right? You know, that's just one thing. And then how does that fit into the technology suite that we're seeing now? You know, we had been through solar and solar and wind, and now, yes, solar and wind continue to be, to be growth industries, 100%. But, our team has to now understand what hydrogen storage is and how hydrogen, green hydrogen right. is made and what the difference is between green and blue. And mm -hmm. uh, I know there's a young lady on our team. She's got to be a year out of college. She actually uh, is our in-house ammonia expert. If you had asked her, yeah, a year and a half ago when she was sitting at James Madison University, you know, what are you going to do with your life? She wouldn't say I'm the ammonia expert at a PR <laughs> agency, but... You know, here she is. And battery tech, we have Zinc, my Zinc expert is here today. You know, she, she was doing broadcast news. Now she's a Zinc expert. So it's fun, but you also have to come in going, okay, I'm going to have to really dig in. If we want to create change, we want to create this decisive decade ahead, then what's required of me at an agency in any kind of communications position is to really 
dig in on the science and the and the technology and particularly hard to abate industries. So we have hydrogen, we see battery tech, obviously mobility, storage. These hard to abate industries are fascinating. We just finished uh, working with steel and with concrete, you know, even agricultural products too. So you know, I think things that we as as humans on this team had not thought about when we first signed up to create press releases and tell stories. Yeah. Now my my big transition was around language. I I went to the a Jesuit school uh, and I just hated Latin and I couldn't understand why I was required to study Latin. And so here I am in the language and communications business, right? So here we go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is it. We all took Latin <laughs> because we all wanted better SAT scores or something and right. you know, right. here we are. Here they we knew are. it. They knew it. <laughs> So, Laura, how many VC firms do you currently represent, and what is the landscape for those firms centered on today? I would say, without tipping our hand too much, I would say that under under management, assets under total for the groups that we represent, somewhere between fifteen and twenty billion dollars going into the okay. clean economy. Not insignificant. Although we do see, and we see dollar figures going up every day, which, which is great. I think, you know, we, we have a variety of investors and there are distinctly West Coast investors. That's who we are. We're going to be West Coast investors. They bring a West Coast tech mentality to what they do and how they evaluate climate tech. They bring that tech background with them, very tech-centered. We have Wall Street. We have East Coast, as you well know. It's Silicon uh, Silicon Alley. That mentality uh, of you know of evaluating different edge to New York than you have to the Valley. And then we have everything in between. We're definitely seeing a lot of growth out of areas like Houston and uh, Utah and Seattle, kind of traditionally off the beaten path, but there, we're, we're seeing a lot, of, uh, a lot of investment happening in markets that aren't obvious markets. I'm also seeing investors getting really smart on tech like we are. It's not just, oh, you know, we'll listen to a few pitches and whoever knows whoever's buddy is going to come in and win the pitch, right? It's they're they're doing deep research, deep due diligence, becoming highly specialized as well. So the specialization could be in types of investment, like industries. Oh, we're only going to be ag tech or we're only going to be infrastructure or renewables, et cetera. And then within that, to matrix it, to intersect, you could have, we're going to do early stage. We're going to be a series A, series B, and then, and or later stage. So we're seeing a lot. We're seeing later stage infrastructure. We're seeing early stage ag tech. Um, is there a late stage ag tech? I don't know. But definitely more specialized, a lot of due diligence and very discerning customers they are, the investors these days. So, okay. um, so you got to be on your toes. Yep. That's right. They keep us jumping, don't they? So you believe that yep. several things are missing from the current climate conversation. What are they and how can your clients incorporate these issues into their climate-focused strategies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a few things. Uh, conservatives, not to get political, but conservatives. Uh, traditionally, it's been a very progressive pursuit. 
is the conversation around climate change, not to say there haven't been conservative discussions, certainly Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the, the bellwethers of, you know, making that uh, systematic uh, change in California, obviously. But I think uh, as we move towards the midterms here in the United States and we look at, and I'm, this is the background that I come out of, though it tethers to being the listening post, how important the federal and state policies, local policies so, are uh, tethered to whether or not our uh, technologies, the, the innovations our clients work on are going to be pushed forward into the economies, local economies, state economies. And it is very, very important that we have kind of like uh, everyone in the tent, you know, mentality when it comes to nobody owns the conversation necessarily. And I think that's really important. And I think we're seeing articles in the New York Times, occasionally in the Wall Street Journal about these up and coming, you know, counterparts to the Greta Thunbergs of the world. And we've we have somebody on the team that comes from uh, the Oklahoma market and understands what conservatives are thinking about climate change and how to talk about climate change. That's very, very important thing for corporations, NGOs, and, and others on either side of the coast to understand how what we call the flyover over states are thinking about um, climate. So that's going to be important moving forward. And I'm really happy to, to have conservatives and young conservatives too starting to understand how critical this conversation is moving forward and creating change with us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and clearly there's a whole different conversation going on across uh, the flyover states, as you say, uh, related to many things, including climate. Uh, and it's really important for those conversations to be had and to be hashed out over time. And I think that's one of the things that I, I suffer from occasionally is impatience around the process. But that's okay. We're moving in the right direction and, and we will get there. So We so, will. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. and I also think environmental justice is important too, you know, and that's yes. part of the conversation that, that could get political. But, you know, oftentimes uh, I think communities of color and environmental justice, this is not something that corporations can, can view as a trend, you know, th and it's important. You know, we want growth for the industry to happen, but we want it to happen in the correct way, in an authentic way, in a way that is uh, do no harm. So I was happy to see Lego in Virginia. You know, I think that they have a zero emissions target or a very, very light, if not zero carbon footprint. Um, that's the type of commitment that I think communities should expect to see or as close to it as we can, you know, moving forward. And that that does come right down to justice. That's something we work with clients on all the time is, you know, it's great, great to talk about growth, but let's make sure we're looking at all angles of that growth and the, the impact uh, that growth has positive, positive impact. And let's be honest about what could be potentially negative impact and, and how to really work through those tough conversations. Yes, well, we could be talking about these for hours, as you and I both know, but we're just about out of time for today's program. So, Laura, if you can tell our listeners where online they can find out more about Silverline Communications and how they can contact you about the issues that we have discussed in today's program. Sure. We are at teamsilverline.com, T-E-A-M, 
silverline.com. We have a footprint here in our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., and we have, as I lovingly call it, our outpost in uh, Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, and we have an international network that we tap into for clients, and uh, you can always find me at Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at teamsilverline.com. Great. Well, thank you very much, Laura Taylor, President and CEO at Silverline Communications. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. (laughs) 